between you and Biggie was like, who's going who's gonna, who rules the, the, the nigga kingdom and shit, basically, you know what I'm saying? I was like, this is like a fucking it is. election. It's an election it is that. Shit. Coming up on Verse Course Verse, when the question is asked, who is the best rapper of all time? Typically, not always, but typically, one of two rappers is said, we've talked about one of them, it's time to talk about the other one. That's next. Fucking screw up, got introduced to the game, got an ounce of fucking fuck. Chopping rocks overnight. The nigga Biggie Smalls trying to turn into the black Frank White. We had the no dreads to change our description. Two cops is on the milk box missing. Welcome to Verse Course Verse, episode 126. I am DL. With me is Sven, Big Papa Knutson. Sven, how are you tonight? Close your eyes, make a wish, <laughs> and blow out the what? candlelight. Why are you singing I'll Make Love to You? You know what? We'll get back to that a little later on, and it'll totally okay. make sense. I think I know where you're going with it. You know, you really missed a really golden opportunity, though, for you to say, I love it when you call me Big Papa. Yeah, but... I'm just going to throw that out there. But for the people who it. can't read the titles of our podcast, then that would totally just give away what we're about to talk oh. about. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Sven's doing the overthinking of David for once. I am. It's... <laughs> I'm looking out for all of you illiterate or non-English reading. I feel like that's going to get you in trouble. With who? People who can't read? Um. <laughs> what do you do? Write yes. you hate mail? <laughs> that's too good. I have to leave it in. Sven, how have you been? <laughs> Spicy, apparently. <laughs> yeah, this is a new Sven. We are unaccustomed to this. It's because my family pinned me down and made me listen to like three hours of Michael Buble before I got on to record with you. No, they didn't. You lie. They don't hate no, you they, that much. They don't hate me that much. That's actually a good question. Thank Does anybody goodness. in your immediate family or wife or anybody, hate anybody me? like Michael Buble that you have to deal with? Uh, No. Oh, that's um, good. Most people in my circle in my life are fairly neutral actually no one else has an opinion let's put it that way no one else has like formed <laughs> an opinion no one cares on michael Bublé. it's just yeah i mean exactly. he's an easy artist to just not care about but i also i understand hating michael buble i very much do so. he's kind of like this fictitious character that just like every december actually like every november <laughs> creeps out of high it's like groundhog's day except is yeah. there gonna be six more weeks of christmas he's bing crosby light Ooh, <laughs> sorry bing uh he's dead i think he was kind of a piece of shit too <laughs> kind of yeah anyway we're not here for that we're here to talk about another artist Sven and i's episodes we're doing this year we decided to concentrate on one artist per episode and I think this initially started, we were thinking more of a musician type of thing. Yeah. But we had also talked so much about Tupac that we kind of had to do that as our first one. Since we did Tupac, now we have to talk about this guy, right? Absolutely. Like, how could I think there'd be people that'd be really upset if we didn't. Yes, I agree. So my question to you is this. After this episode, what do we do after this? Now that we've done two rappers, we probably have about two more episodes of this left in this season. Mm. Do we just stay with rappers? Do we go to musicians finally? What do we do? Mm. We could do the dangerous thing and put it to the audience and make them spam the Instagram account. That's a good idea. I don't know. We can leave it to we them. Could. I'm having a lot of fun talking about hip hop. Person. I am too. I mean, I could totally stay with hip hop. We could even talk hip hop producers. Oh my God. You know what our next two could be? 
Dr. Dre and then Puff Daddy. See? Follows the pattern. Shit. It totally does. I would love... Oh my God, I would love to do an episode on Dr. Dre. That- and I would love to hate on Puff Daddy for a full episode <laughs> too. So... Isn't that what today is? It, for me, it absolutely <laughs> is. For me, it totally is. <laughs> oh, this is going to go well. I'm a- Oh, we're going to have to think about this. You want to know what's going to be fun? What? In like three weeks... I'm going to be in Boise with you. We're going to be recording a live episode. That's nuts. That is nuts. Yeah. Have you listened to any of the music from the new Metallica album? I have not. I haven't either. I didn't even know there was a new Metallica album. You know that's what we're doing in Boise though, right? Aren't we live reacting to it? Yes. Okay. But they have singles. I think they have three singles out. Gotcha. I just didn't know it was out. I thought it was still coming, Well, but they have singles first, It's not so. out, so don't listen to it. Forget I said that. <laughs> don't be like evil and listen to everything right when it comes out and ruin our live reaction. I never do. I hate that, too. I, I hate myself for it because there's times where, like, after we wrap for the year and we did, like, what did we miss and that kind of stuff, then, like, mm-hmm. it'll be January and I'm like, I totally missed this and, oh, my yeah. God, this came out in, like, November and this. I'm typically six months behind on all of all of the releases that I like end up loving. I usually miss at least one. It's fine. Who One's cares? One's pretty good. We're here to talk about the notorious B.I.G. Svend. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have to drink because I said his name. But before this, we talked a lot about Tupac already. Yeah. We're both massive fans. Uh, you became a really big fan, it sounded like, around kind of the early 2000s. Yeah. What about B.I.G.? About the same time, but I wasn't really... A, I think I became a big fan of B.I.G. Yeah, it was still early 2000s, but it was probably two or three years after I got into Tupac. If I was okay. into Tupac like 2000, 2001, it was probably around 2004. Okay. I'd listened to to Biggie before I really got into Biggie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't appreciate it as much. I think it was because originally I was looking only at music that sounded really good on big car subwoofers and stuff like that. There's tracks that Biggie has that bump pretty decent, but a lot of the production is a lot more what I'm into now. It's a lot more balanced. It's not just like subwoofer heavy. Yes. It's got some like old school samples. It's got those old. School you wanted the West Coast. Feel. Yeah, I was really into the West yeah. Coast feel. Anything that Dre did. You wanted anything. the Chevy Impala. Yeah. Subwoofer. Yeah. Yes. Wish I had a lowrider. <laughs> One of the things that I think, because I wasn't a big B.I.G. fan either, I was actually never, not that I don't love Notorious B.I.G., I do. He was never really big in my collection like Tupac mm. was. And I think that one of the reasons is it sounds weird nowadays because everything is so different and accessible. But when we were in junior high and high school and this stuff was getting big, there was a lot to be said for we were on the West part of the country. Yeah. Stuff like B.I.G. was not big no. where we were. No. Tupac was massive. Yeah. B.I.G. was not. If you were on the West Coast or anywhere near the West, you just didn't hear B.I.G. as much. Right. The void was probably amplified by the fact that we were in the Northwest U.S. and in like the widest part of the West. <laughs> and so yes. anybody that was into hip hop, you didn't hear rap on the radio. That was that was for sure. No radio in our state would play rap music 
in the 90s. I think like California was probably the only song I ever heard at a young age yeah. that was on the radio. And that was probably like, that had to have even been closer to 2000. Or back then, like the three songs that would play on MTV. Yeah, oh, three, yeah. Today Was a Good Day by Ice Cube. Yeah. I remember that got a lot of play. And then stuff that doesn't really, I'm not saying it's bad, I love it, but stuff that doesn't really count, like Fantastic Voyage by Coolio. Right. Stuff like that. Very radio-friendly stuff. Yeah. Notorious B.I.G., name me a song where you can get through a whole song with what he's saying oh to be on the radio yeah. you can't you can't <laughs> and which i kind of love yeah i know we're gonna talk about his actual lyrics and songs later but yes. he was he was for real he didn't give a fuck yeah about anything it, yeah we will get to that first we got to get to the most important part of the night I'm excited. Let's start with you, Mr. Knutson. Mm. What are you drinking? Well, I've got a couple things. First off, don't you owe a drink? Is that what you're just trying to do right there? Sneak in the drink for saying... Oh, I'll drink. Oh, you'll drink. Because what I, I have mm -hmm. is the very last shot of Woodford in my house. I, this is the end of the bottle. And well, uh, let's... So I have a shot too. Let's do the shot after we talk about what we're drinking leading into the break because yes we do we're gonna take shots well in that case i have this experimental beer uh -oh. it, is, it doesn't even have a name it's from sockeye brewing a boise brewery it's a single hop pale ale and they don't have a name for it they just call it hbc 586 it's some kind of laboratory i don't know how'd you get your hands on that is it in stores i got this at the brewery but i think there's stores locally that carry a small batch of it it's you know what the, the weirdest thing and this is a little bit of like a side story here about sockeye beer but it cracks me and it doesn't just happen there but we'll go to their restaurant and eat they brew the beer their brewing facility is attached to the restaurant so there's like this giant building out back it? yeah i've never asked i'm sure you can but their canning facility and their brewing facility is attached to the restaurant and it's so funny to me that every time i'm there for lunch or just hanging out whatever i will overhear somebody at another table order a coors light oh. and it's like everything in my being not to launch out of my chair and strangle the crap out of them because they're at yeah, a brewery that brews so many excellent beers that's not okay and here's how cool sockeye is though they would totally like yep we'll get you a coors light how much spit <laughs> was in that course light is it <laughs> now they have very they they have a few beers that are course light esque i just don't understand it no that's that's pretty bad that's like going to ruth chris steakhouse and asking for a big mac it doesn't really right it doesn't work out very well i'm drinking a paloma this is actually this is really pretty from here wow it's very clear it is clear it's just tequila grapefruit I made some grapefruit simple syrup that's a little bit bitter, which I really like, and uh, some club soda. That's it. Nice. Really, really delicious. I also have a shot. So I'm celebrating because I'm back on the wagon. I'm off the wagon. What is it when you start drinking again? I did something You're to the wagon. Happy? I'm happy. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the wagon. I'm drinking again. Yeah. yeah my, there you go. My 30 whatever days are over. Last night I had a couple cocktails, but tonight I'm actually, this was my, I'm hanging out with Sven. I get to have drinks. I have Yay. a shot left over from a picture I took for Instagram last night. It is straight up Jack Daniels. Jack. I have not got had Jack. I got Woodford. Jack Daniels in a long time. And I'm a little jealous of your Woodford, but that's okay. There's 
a lot worse you could do than Jack Daniels. Yeah, I don't mind Jack Daniels. It's a fun camping bottle. Is it Gentleman Jack or is this just straight Nope, just the number five or eight or whatever. It's number five. I don't remember. So, shall we cheers? cheers. All right, Sven. Here's to here's bourbon. To, uh, here's to drinking. May drinking. we never have to give it up. Yep, that's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even make the Jack Daniels face it's, that a lot of people You know, do. it's too sweet, but it's such yeah. an easy drink. It really is. It is. It's almost cognac-y. It's so buttery. Not as good. You're going there. <laughs> cognac-y. We got to take a break. We got to talk about one of the most prolific... Such a whirlwind of a short time, much like Tupac. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Back, back, back to cat. That was oh. good. I like that. Sven, who's your favorite rapper Dang. of all time? I can't tell you. It's a secret. Oh, will you? Can t- I tell you at the end? Will you tell us at some point tonight? I will tell you at the end of this. Christopher George Latour Wallace, aka Notorious B.I.G., born in 1972 in Duh, New York City, representing Brooklyn often through his entire 24 years. Passed away one year younger than Tupac, about a year later. First thing that I will say, Sven, and I want to see if you studying for this was different. When we did Tupac, we talked a lot about B.I.G., but it wasn't a primary focus. I feel like Tupac was such a more prominent character in Big's life than Big was a prominent character in Tupac's Oh, I feel like everywhere I turned in Big's story, Tupac was there. I did not experience the same thing so i think this okay. is going to play well because I like uh i think we might fill in each other's gaps here if you know notorious big or even if you've listened to his raps you know notorious big because that's what he rapped about he rapped about his life his childhood how he grew up he grew up in brooklyn as i said single mother worked her ass off she was a immigrant from jamaica who worked her ass off to make sure that he got what he wanted that he was well fed he was still because his dad up and left when he was two yes like most people his age like a lot yeah it was it we talked talked about it in uh i was doing an episode with rachel on kanye west and we talked about how Hmm. those kind of two generations were really the deadbeat dad generations where not all yeah a large percentage of dads ended up just taking off 70s and 80s yes big was he was a troublemaker he had fun he lived dangerously He very quickly discovered that why do all of these guys that aren't going to school and stuff have so much fucking money? Right. Oh, they're selling drugs. Yeah. That looks like you get a lot of money from it. I really feel like it took two U.S. presidents and a specific criminal entrepreneur to help create Biggie Smalls. There was a man named Freeway Rick Ross. Mm -hmm. He was in the 80s bringing in massive amounts of cocaine from the Nicaraguan cartels into California. Ingeniously, he, I think, is credited with inventing crack rock and had figured out how to dilute cocaine into this rock form, cut it into this rock form that was highly addictive. And thanks to President Dwight D. Eisenhower's freeway system, He not only got his nickname Freeway Rick Ross, but he had his distribution network. So he used the best freeway system in the world 
to get hundreds and hundreds of kilos of cocaine yeah. crack cocaine nationwide super easily and then thanks to president ronald, ronald Reagan. reagan's war on drugs which disproportionately targeted black people the mass incarceration that resulted from that crippled black communities especially big urban black communities leaving young boys like christopher wallace with a few opportunities to make that kind of cash yes and the easiest of those opportunities was selling, selling rock the crack rock that Rick Ross was importing into the country. Unfortunately, crack rock is probably the biggest symbol of American ingenuity and hustle yeah. that there is. Most profitable the, for sure. The invention, the thought of how do I take this product that would be obsessed worldwide in cocaine, how do I make that cheap with cheap chemicals? Once I figure that out, all I got to do is be up 20 hours a day slinging it and I will get rich. Yeah. It's sad but that is the most american story you can possibly think of it really is absolutely and you're right it's sad it's dangerous it also birthed a lot of inspiration for this genre we're talking about especially yeah. artists from this period kind yeah. of at the height of intersection of the war on drugs and the mass incarceration there was a lot of things that were unchecked a lot of things that were overchecked. look at all the artists that capitalized on that that I mean, he lived the exact life that most rappers bullshit right. about. He he was he did. the character Tupac was playing his whole life. I don't know if I should get into this now. I don't think so. I think we should wait. But I think those two not only did they start out loving each other, which I think is something that gets missed. Like right. those two were so friends. close until Tupac got shot up in uh, New York, but they were friends in many ways. But I also think both of those guys wanted, I don't want to say they were jealous of each other, but they saw so much of their story to be what the other person's story to be, what a legit rapper really was. Yeah. Because I guess I will just go through it now. Notorious B.I.G., if you listen to his interviews and, and some of the things, like Notorious B.I.G., he rapped about slinging, he rapped about women, mm -hmm. anything that became basic rap, he created it. Yeah. And he wasn't poor as a child because of his mother. And he had an outstanding mother. He also had a lot of extra money because of the drugs that he was selling. And he rapped about the stuff that he rapped about. What he saw in Tupac was he saw this guy that grew up dirt fucking poor, mm -hmm. educated, ended up in great schools where he got book smart. He learned from things like Black Panthers and, and how to fight the power, if you will. And his lyrics had substance and content. And I think Biggie was really jealous of that. Flip it around... Tupac, what Tupac saw in Biggie is he saw this guy that grew up on the fucking streets of Brooklyn, slinging rock, who grew up toughest, the most rap upbringing you could possibly fucking have. That was him. Yeah. And I think Tupac looked at that and said, this is a guy that actually lived it. This is a guy that actually dealt drugs and rap battled on corners his whole life. He's the antithesis of it. And took inspiration from each other, right? I yes, mean, yes, like, exactly. Yeah, the, the more Tupac could soak in of Biggie's experience and his life, the more genuine his own persona became. And, and yes. on the flip side, the more Biggie could get exposed to like the cultural and social consciousness that Tupac had, the deeper he could get in his lyrics. Not that I feel like Biggie ever made a big leap 
and started writing socially conscious rap or, you know, bringing like political issues to his lyrics or anything like that, maybe more. Yeah, I'm not really sure where we would see that reflected in Biggie's life. I think maybe his life was cut off a little too early. The beef between he and Tupac started maybe a little... I mean, it was early yeah. in both their lives and their friendships. They both had short, short lives. And their friendship in, was just like this real brief flash in that timeline. When it comes to the actual beef, when you really sit down, how many years advanced are we now 20 yeah uh, 97 when was it 97 30 25 years something like whatever it is when you look at the facts and you sit down and you look at what happened the beef was so prominently tupac yeah oh yeah i guess we're, we're kind of jumping ahead so let's there's not all that much more to his story biggie was extremely popular in brooklyn his main market was selling drugs it was and he was friends at this time with puff daddy who kept saying, I'm going to sign you, I'm going to sign you, it's well, going to happen. He started spitting before you met Pac, right? Oh, he started when he was fucking 14. Yeah, 14 or 15, dropped out of high school when he was 17. Big Daddy Kane was one of his mm -hmm. mentors. Yes. Between Big Daddy Kane and producers like Marley Marl, I think he always had it in the back of his head. He just couldn't figure out how to capitalize on it, right? Like, crack was yes. still the best, easiest, fastest way to make the money. Yeah, hip-hop wasn't the market. It wasn't. He got arrested in North Carolina in 1990 for dealing crack, mm -hmm. right? When he got arrested was the first time in North Carolina. He got out of jail, went home, met DJ 50 Grand at house parties and on the street corner rapping and was like, hey, I can make you a demo. I have gear in my mm -hmm. basement. Went over to 50 Grand's house. He records this demo and started passing it around, and it got into the hands of Mr. C, DJ Mr. C, who was Big Daddy Kane's DJ. Okay. Not only did he get it to DJ Mr. C, who then was like, okay, I'm going to try to help you score a record deal. DJ Mr. C got the demo into the hands of Maddie C, who was the Source Magazine's editor for the column unsigned hype and wrote this whole piece on biggie and dj 50 grand in the unsigned hype column unsigned hype was like the hip-hop yeah i'm not even talking about written word any sort of hip-hop news it wasn't like mtv raps it wasn't anything like that like this is where artists producers everybody got their intel like from. real in yeah exactly that's what tipped off this young A&R guy at Uptown Records, who you just mentioned, uh, Sean, Sean Puffy Combs, Combs, right? Who agreed to meet with Biggie. More effort. I think a lot of times the story makes it sound like everything just kind of fell into Biggie's lap when Puffy showed up. But yeah. A lot of the, you go on YouTube and look for Biggie freestyles, and there's, there's one where he's on a street corner in Brooklyn, just schooling a guy in a battle. <laughs> you don't, I don't think you even get to see the other guy rap. The other guy walks eventually away. just walks off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The DJ at that battle supposedly is DJ 50 Grand. Yeah, none of these people, and I'm sorry I'm going to keep combining it, but that's just what I'm going to do. The only reason that Tupac ended up, not the only reason, the big reason Tupac ended up being so successful is because he ended up meeting the that woman, and I'm sorry, I forgot what her name was, who kind of took him on as his manager. Oh, his manager, yeah. Who, she didn't know shit, but... 
she knew that you had to research, you had to show up to stuff, you had to, you had to investigate. None of these people back then, like you're talking about this guy that was trying to manage and produce and stuff. None of these people knew what the fuck they were doing. No. These were all drug no. dealers and, and just trying to survive. These fucking people didn't know how to market. They didn't know how to contact labels. And I think that's what Puffy provided, right? Mm-hmm. He was already in the record industry. He decides he's going to sign Biggie, but like you were saying, the process of that contract was just taking forever. Well, Biggie, I think Puff Daddy seems like the type who is a massive shit talker, who will oh, probably, you yeah. be the type that would be like, hey, I'm about to get you that money. I'm about to get you that money. Six months comes around, then a year. It's like, okay, where the fuck is it? And Biggie's the kind of guy that's going to recognize a shit talker. Yes. That's who he's been dealing with his whole life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Street corners. I think we talked about it in the in the Tupac episode with Biggie. Biggie grew up in it was the best apprenticeship for salesmen in the history of anything. Biggie yeah. was from Brooklyn selling drugs. There is no right. stage for salesmanship. There's no more dangerous place that if you say the wrong thing to the wrong person, you're going to get fucking killed. Yeah. It's one of the things I'm most curious about is how, I know the answer is money, but it surprises me that Biggie ended up with Puff Daddy. Well, it does, but it also doesn't. I don't know. Well, and then, you know, Tupac ended up with Suge Knight, so... Yeah. <laughs> and, and in a way, as much as I... Later on here in, in like probably 15 minutes, we'll get back to talking so much shit about Sean Puffy Combs. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have this episode right now talking about Biggie Smalls Absolutely. because Biggie got tired of waiting for the contract. At this point, had a kid. He wanted to play the part of the providing father that he never had, but he did it like remote. He wasn't. You know, it was like, yeah. In that way, he wasn't the guy that he wanted to be. And that's from his own right. mouth. Like, he said that frequently. Yeah, he... Yeah. He got impatient waiting for that contract, got a baby on the way. The crack game in Brooklyn was getting saturated because now mm -hmm. everybody was like, I can sell crack. And he figured out, hey, I got my boys back in North Carolina. There's no competition down there, or a lot less of it, but there's still as much of a demand. The demand is massive. Yeah. So, jump back down to North Carolina. He's making so he fucking keeps bank. Selling, make bank and also just ignoring everybody in his life from New York, ignoring his mom, ignoring his wife, ignoring Puffy, ignoring all his friends, just cut him off. And I think finally he started returning some calls or he answering some calls and decided to give Puffy a call back because he was ignoring him because it was the same bullshit. This contract's on the yeah. way, your money's coming. Blah, blah, blah. So he finally calls Puffy back and Puffy's like, hey, there's a contract on my desk with a check and your name on it. Get your ass back to New York and come sign this shit and stop dealing crack. Mm -hmm. He was going to leave on like a Tuesday morning and something just told him, nope, it's Monday, just go now. And he gets out of North Carolina, goes back to New York the next day, suppose allegedly the next no, day. No, it's true. The apartment he was living in gets raided, and everyone Everybody he was working with, all of his they're all in prison for a long time for dealing crack. Yep. And he just literally, the one time that I can say that Puff Daddy made a very positive contribution yeah. <laughs> to, to the, the world of music. Saved him was, from going to prison, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you for... Um, so there's my big interrupting you. <laughs> no, that's where I was trying to get to is the story of how essentially he was, he was just going to sell crack in North Carolina until he got arrested, which was going to happen the day before he said, 
fine. P. Diddy says, I have a contract sitting on my fucking desk. Get the fuck over here. And he says, okay, I'll do it. Puff Daddy finally gets him up there, signs his contract. Not even a half year later, I think, Puffy gets fired from Uptown Records. Which was a good thing. Yeah, I didn't know that. I thought he just left to start point, Bad Boy. Oh, he got fired. And when he got fired, he already had this thing with Arista Records on the side. And when he got fired from Uptown, he was like, you know what? I'm taking Biggie and I'm going over here and starting Bad Boy Entertainment. And that's what happened. Biggie signed with him over on Bad Boy. That's when Bad Boy started Ready to Die released in 1994. This is where, at this point in time, Biggie and Tupac are are buddies. Yeah. They're so much so buddies that Tupac is now deep in the land of Crips and Bloods, living an extremely dangerous lifestyle. B.I.G. understands this, cares, knows, lived through it, knows what's going on, and buys Tupac a massive stash of fucking guns that he ends up sending to Tupac. These guys are not only close, but they're trying to protect Looking each other for, yeah. and shit. And yeah, like when B.I.G. ends up in L.A., Tupac is the one looking after him, making sure he's safe and vice versa when Tupac goes to New York. I think that gets missed a lot is how close these two were. Yeah. The strange thing about that friendship was not only how it's glossed over in rap history, but... It really was, like you're saying, it was reciprocal. I mean, it, was, it wasn't yeah. like a mentor-mentee kind of a thing or one of them looking up to the other completely. It was mutually beneficial. They were so fucking different. They were polar opposites. Yeah. Until the bullshit East Coast, West Coast stuff started, there was so not a threat to each other's career at no. all. Could you imagine what the collab would have been like between Biggie and Pac if they had like made a group? There's footage of them doing like freestyles together and stuff like that. And yeah, and it's fucking the styles are so different yeah. and the guys are so different that it's just it's just so fucking stupid how it all ended up happening. People men are so fucking dumb, yeah. dude. We're, <laughs> we are. we're so fucking stupid. <laughs> Absolutely. None of this needed to happen. None of it did. Yeah. If they would have just been a little bit smarter and cared just a teeny bit more, with the exception of Suge Knight. Suge Knight is just an evil fucking bastard yeah. that we will talk more about that too, I'm sure. But if they would have just taken a step back, let their ego go at one point in any of like that, that four-year stint and just said, hey, this is ridiculous. We're making so much fucking money. We can make it for the rest of our... We can be fucking billionaires. Yeah. None of them did it. I feel like the West Coast pushed the beef way more than Biggie and Diddy did. Yep. I don't count Who Shot You as like a diss track to me. That was recorded before the beef started, before Pot got shot. Until studying for this, I didn't know that. I always thought that that was a retaliation. Uh, and you're right. It totally isn't. So Pac is the only one that fired shots lyrically. He's the only one mm -hmm. that made a diss track. And Biggie decided not to respond. Yeah. I'm just going to let it. You know what? He said what he said. I don't know how or what exactly went through his mind, but he decided that he didn't need to respond. He didn't need to release his own diss track. It was Death Row Records. Death Row Records yeah. was was what pushed the beef. You had like Snoop Dogg at the, what was it, Grammys or MTV? Yeah. Like, 
No love for oh the West Coast. Oh my God! Like it is mm-hmm. all death row, and I I love a lot of the music. I honestly feel like a lot of the responsibility for both Biggie and Tupac's deaths, at least the beef. Let's say that because both yeah. of them probably would have talked enough shit on their own, get themselves killed without the East Coast, West Coast. I think this is the big difference in how they were raised because, you know, Tupac was raised militantly. Mm -hmm. If you are attacked, you go fucking berserk. You go batshit crazy on anybody that's near you. Biggie grew up in Brooklyn in crack and violence and stuff. He knew we've got money. We're let's get away from this shit. Multiply that by 10 because Tupac's got Suge Knight in his ear yeah. who I think wanted all this violence because that's just who he is. And then you end up with things that were more misunderstandings, like when the, the thing happened at what was it? The VMAs when the East coast, West coast thing happened or was that was it, the I couldn't remember if it was VMAs or if it was Grammys or something. I mean, that's how little like, I give a shit yeah. about it because it doesn't, it's just kind of pathetic. Yeah. But yeah, it was like a couple errant boos and stuff yeah. when Snoop Dogg's on the podium and all of a sudden Snoop Dogg's just ripping into the fucking bad boy. Yeah. And then because of that, when Biggie comes up, you get a ton of boos, which New York is not going to fucking take that. Yeah. It's fucking the Video Music Awards. You've got fucking pink and shit in the audience like who gives no a one shit just, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are we doing not that biggie was an angel either bless his talent i love his songs he also was like i don't give a fuck kind of guy he sold crack to pregnant women with no hesitation and was quoted even being like i'm not here to have sympathy i'm here to make money yep he cared about the money and not revenge he cared about taking care of himself his daughter his people that was his focus doesn't necessarily make the dark side of his character it doesn't null and void that but he at least could move on different it's a different type of human yeah. We talked a ton about how Tupac was this self-evolved character. And I think Tupac loved it. I think he loved the passion and he wanted to go out in a fucking ball of flames. And that's just who Tupac was. Biggie was about one thing. Money. Fucking money. Yeah. He wanted the money because he wanted the women. And that is one thing. I stopped after women, not just the women. He wanted the everything. But women come with that. That is something that you can shit on and you can listen to his lyrics now and be like jesus christ that wouldn't fly today but the bottom line is is he didn't give a fuck if that flew yeah and if he was alive today he would rap the exact same shit and it would be just as popular i guarantee you he's smart enough and cared about the money enough that if something else would have made him more money he would just say that in his raps that's true too he'd have money and artificial intelligence right now (laughs) he would (laughs) (laughs) What makes this so much more obvious, how the feud was one-sided with trying to compare the two shootings between Tupac and Biggie, where Tupac's was so obviously kind of a clumsy gangster shootout. Yeah. Not shootout, shooting. And Biggie's was such a calibrated professional hit. Assassination. Yeah. Yes. It was an assassination. You're absolutely right. It was an assassination. When you actually study it and not study fucking documentaries and but you actually look at the raw data, the FBI papers and things like that, how it was so basically all fingers point to one specific person who had a lot of ties to Suge Knight. That's where I'll leave it. Yeah. Nobody knows. Yeah. But 
We're not fucking idiots. This wasn't some lit. This was a fucking dude in a suit and a bow tie that pulled up seven shots and six of them hit Biggie. Yeah. That is a professional fucking hit. I know that we haven't talked a ton about Biggie's life. We did, you know, we did the whole back and forth from North Carolina. We talked about his childhood. We talked about his style, but it's because, and I think it's a really huge homage to him that anybody that's been listening to hip hop for the last 20 years, they know Biggie's story because Biggie's story was hip hop. <laughs> That's his music. Yes. He's fucking amazing. We're going to take a break and we're going to go through a couple of categories, a couple of best ofs and things like that. And I'm going to explain why I've just never been a Biggie fan because I'm not. Ooh. And I'm going to. going to be good. I know. Hot take, it's gonna right? Be good. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Clocking the cash flow. The neighborhood grave digger. Getting paid so much. All the bitches want to see a nigga. I guess they figure I'm paid. I want to get laid. Or since I got loot, I want to knock boots. Huh. I'd rather beat my dick than trick And if she don't suck, then we don't fuck huh. I'd rather make a buck, drive a fat ass truck Grab the nine, two clips and We are yeah. back Hope everybody is doing well I'm, you know, I really like These fucking hip-hop episodes I have so much fun doing these <laughs> Just right now while we're talking, but like the the research leading up to it, I'm not going to say more fun than any other episode because it's just different. It is. It's like I, you feel like you're an investigator a little bit because the crime, the weird stories, the disputes, the tension, like there's so much that... It's not like the regular, you know, when we do the quick fires or we do the what did we miss and we do the finale stuff. It's it's music that's maybe a little indie or maybe a little, you know, it's music you have to sit down and listen to and figure out what you like about it, what you don't. Hip hop is fucking hip hop. If you go on Spotify and you just mix Notorious B.I.G., you're going to have a good fucking night. Yeah. You just hear Notorious B.I.G. rapping and you feel fucking good. Well, unless you hate rap and then... If you hate rap... We can... Sorry. We can help you with that, I think. You know what I appreciate is we do have, I've had a couple, I think I've only had like one listener said that they don't listen to the rap episodes because they really don't like rap. But I've also had a couple listeners reach out and say like, yeah, I don't give a fuck about rap, but the episodes are incredibly intriguing. Yeah. They are the new rock stars. It's yeah. way more fascinating Even than if like. you don't like rap music or hip hop music, like. Come on, how long have we been talking now and we haven't said a damn thing about the music? I mean, yes. and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. Like, I think it's good that we look at these characters and look at the people and, and their yeah. lives because when it comes to hip-hops especially, that's all you have is their words. It had to be good because it was so simple. That's one of the things that made Biggie Biggie. You know, the early 90s New York rap was... It was still just looped breakbeats, right? I mean, like... Forward-thinking mm -hmm. hip-hop. Like De La Soul okay, yeah. or you know, public enemy or yeah. it was very real, very serious, very forward thinking. And Biggie heard what was going on the West coast and was like, we need that here. Yeah. That would be fucking huge. And he started doing what he did. And that's exactly what happened yeah. for better or for worse. So this is where I'm going to get into. And I think it's perfect timing because you were talking about the production. I am not a notorious B.I.G. guy. And the reason is, is because I do not like bad boy production. Mm. I don't. I don't like the way... It's not just Puff Daddy as a person. Whatever. He's in the music industry. They're all pieces of shit. Who cares? I don't like the music he produces. I don't like the R&B forward, Ja Rule and Ashanti, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pretty Pretty Piano. I want fucking Dr. Dre 
plunking and <laughs> beating the fuck out of you with the bass. That's what I want in my hip hop. And that's why when you do, like I said, go on to Spotify and you shuffle Notorious B.I.G., 90% of what you find is going to be R&B driven beats that start with P. Diddy. Yes. Rapping or singing, yes. which that is the fucking worst. That is. I've never had to do so many skips on an artist that I actually want to listen to because I can't fucking handle that. This is skipping way ahead, but that's why I almost exclusively listen to Ready to Die. Yep. It's the only album that doesn't have Puffy either introing everything or just doing like the hype stuff or like the uh yeah and like you know he's in the video he's in between verses he's even just a word like he has to be in everything he can't just sit out and, and yes. let the artist do their thing i see what you're saying and that's to me the most annoying thing about puffy i mean that's the one thing suge knight got right like yeah, he when he when he away. called him out at that same the same yeah. whatever vma awards or what you know you just stoking the fire he'd come to death row if you don't want your producer being all in up in all your, videos your videos and all up in your <laughs> that's it that's that's it tupac as far as just straight up rap mm -hmm. i would probably pick biggie over tupac most of the time yeah his syncopation the way that he can slow down or speed up and just the power behind the multiple every... syllables yes you have to count syllables when you're listening to biggie and that's what i love about it because there's some music theory you know what i discovered today because i was doing just that i was counting well, I like his syllables eighth notes and subdividing mm -hmm. and seeing okay. like where he was landing his accents where he was breaking words where he was putting the rhymes he was a jazz artist he was swinging. That's why his raps sound so effortless. They just flow off of his tongue without mm -hmm. any thought. It's because he was swinging every eighth note. If you took the words away and just played it on a hi-hat, it was like long, short. He'd hit the downbeat, but then like he'd pick syllables that were mid-word that he would rhyme with another syllable, but that wasn't mm -hmm. the main rhyme. That was like this compound little thing that he did, and then he would still rhyme the end. I'd break words between lines. There's a lot of modern day freestyle rappers that I feel took a lot of inspiration from Biggie's flow. I don't hear anyone that I'm like, yep, that guy's trying to sound like Tupac, because a, I think you can't. No. It's too unique. And B, Tupac's style, I don't think, lent itself to freestyling and battle rapping the way Tupac Biggie was very one-dimensional. Yeah. Tupac had his thing. If this is the only episode you've listened to, go back and listen to Tupac because you will learn that I am a massive Tupac fan. Massive. But he was very one-dimensional. He was. It was a perfect dimension, but he was very one-dimensional. Biggie, as far as flow, outclassed the shit out of Tupac. Anybody. Nobody had flow like Biggie did. Yeah. Kind of what you were talking about. He had this buttery flow that Tupac and a lot of other rappers were very... They had to be terse to hit what they were trying to hit. He was very smooth. I don't know if it's because he was so big or what, but he had so much power yeah. behind what he was doing, whether he was being laying back or not. It was phenomenal like tupac his one dimension was always very in your face very direct very black panther like preaching from the stoop yeah listening to a social leader or like a movement like is, is very preacher ish versus biggie style which he was a smart ass not like a comedy kind of way 
he was a smart ass and he was clever. It was not at all soft and it wasn't funny. He used metaphors. He was intelligent about the way that he rhymed. Notorious B.I.G. only had two studio albums. Couple posthumous albums. He had some collaborations. Uh, you know, was it Junior Mafia that his collaboration album was with? He'd had um, in between Ready to Die and Life After Death. He had Conspiracy. Yep. And the posthumous still is. I mean, like total albums is still way less than Tupac. Way less. Yeah. He did the do well. Not the he thing did. with Faith, but it was like posthumous. Yeah, that was like 2017, and it was. I, you know, I feel like each, I feel like for the most part, not all, but for the most part, uh, Notorious B.I.G.'s posthumous albums were way harder to digest than Tupac's. Yeah. Tupac's were his raps. Tupac lived in the fucking studio. All he did was record every day. B.I.G. wasn't like that. B.I.G., once he got money, he wanted to sleep in and fucking work as little as possible. The Posthumous albums of Biggie are much, much more obviously about bad boy trying to make money. Yeah. Because they're not as cohesive as yeah. Tupac's were. Yeah, not not even close. It's very obviously just like digging up recordings that they could find. And yes. a lot of times too, like, okay, what other artists can we pair that with and make it sound like they're rapping with each other? Sometimes like they're they don't even hand it off well to each other. There's not like this thread that stitches the whole song together it's like here's biggie's verse here's whoever's verse nothing to do with each other really and the hook just kind of is just this hook that they came up with because you need one in the song and well we gotta have like eminem on this dude did eminem even ever fucking meet notorious big like what what the fuck are we doing here but i will say that their flows are similar enough that i love hearing tracks with both of them on it because i love getting that side-by-side like a b comparison of like this is as close as you could ever get to hearing the two of them battle that would have been cool i honestly feel yeah, like eminem that been pretty fucking cool might this somebody's gonna crucify me for this but i feel like eminem might win that one eminem worked so much harder yes uh, for so much longer yeah notorious big worked hard to get to where he needed to go but then once he got there he he stopped giving a fuck about anything yeah eminem notoriously no pun intended <laughs> keeps like a fucking pen and pad with him Everywhere. for the last fucking 40 years yeah never stops yeah but it's still notorious and here are the two of them on a track together is still pretty dope if you had one or two sentences so somebody's getting into rap that's never given it a chance and you have one or two sentences to explain notorious big style what do you think you'd say to him the subject matter would probably be harder to listen to than the way it's delivered mm. if you think about his flow or the way that he raps as an instrument, it's easier to get into if you're not into rap. Do you think there's a part of that that is almost cool, for better or for worse, it kind of ends up our generation's thing? Like, I'm never going to tell my daughter... I shouldn't say that. My daughter is never going to probably ever going to appreciate notorious big the way i do and a lot of that probably has to do with their lyrical content yeah and i think that's a lot of the next couple generations yeah i wonder if that's kind of a selfishly cool thing for us because in our ignorance it gets to be our thing does that make any sense at all i think that does make sense even for our generation as we mature and get older i like feel like even for me it's harder and harder to continue liking 90s rap music as much as i do 
I have to find different ways of justifying that I actually like it because when I really sit and think about like what I just listened to, it's like, I shouldn't like this. This, if someone today put this out, I would feel offended. You know, we've talked a lot this year on the podcast about separating the art from the artist. And a lot of those conversations are about people back in the forties and fifties, you know, like Chuck Berry doing some of the shitty things he did back then people were monsters. Right. A lot of the things that we consider monstrous now wasn't monstrous back then. Yeah. I think you're right. I think a lot of the things that people would do today or talk about today, you can't get away with the level of ignorance. You can't. But also on the flip side, like for me, it's hard to continue liking. I can't just say, well, they didn't know any better back then. Yeah. Everybody else was doing it and everybody else in the mainstream said it was no big deal. It just meant there was a lot of fucked up people. I think the way he raps and a lot of a lot of what people would take issue with today is that anything outside of himself is an object that he wants to get. Yes. So whether it's money, whether it's cars, whether it's drugs, whether it's women, that's the hot button, right? When you're just rapping about getting things, any of those things as a human being, yeah, that's where it gets kind of, you know, like, absolutely. that's where the hair on my neck kind of stands up and I'm like, no, I get that. I think that totally makes sense. I think we did this in the Tupac episode where we got like, this became like the uh, social commentary podcast. Well, we've had to do it a lot this (laughs) season and it's because it's prevalent anytime you go back in history. Because I do think that one side of the population that is not acknowledging what they need to acknowledge about how fucked up certain people have been treated. And I think there is another side that is overcompensating and trying to cancel history, which you can't do. You can't. And you know what? To that point, I absolutely hate the cancel culture thing. You're never going to learn from it. You're never going to teach the next generation. Exactly. You're removing it from like the example of what not to do. I listened to Notorious B.I.G. studying for this for the last few weeks, and I had a hell of a lot of fun, so fucking sue me. Hell yeah. (laughs) Not to sue you, but that you had fun. Please don't Um, sue DL. Hey, we're an LLC now. If we get sued, (laughs) it's the podcast that gets sued, and guess what? The podcast has no money, so no worries there. Uh, Sven, do you have... And I don't think this is a big, huge wonder about it question. Do you have a favorite B.I.G. album? I think I already gave it away. It's for sure Ready to Die. It's the right answer. debut. It's got all the songs. Well, almost. I have a list of, what did I make here? I listed my top five songs and it's got all except for one. I have too many listed, so I need, I'm going to have to cut that back, but we're not there yet. Yeah. Ready to Die is by far his best album. It just is. For sure. There's a lot of good on Life After Death. I actually like a lot of the... um, So they came out with an album called Duets, The Final Chapter. Yeah. Kind of what we were talking about. They threw together a bunch of artists doing songs that they put him on as well. And there's some really, really good ones on there. But, yeah, you know, when we talked about Tupac, a lot of the posthumous albums, or a couple of the posthumous albums, I should say, were some of our favorites. Yeah. But... For Notorious B.I.G., his debut album, his first album, the extremely simple album, the album that is just 90% him, 
That is by far his best album. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. This is kind of uh, going backwards because we're talking about Ready to Die and how much we both love that and it's the best Biggie album. I actually remembered when and how I started liking Notorious B.I.G.'s music and what really got me into it. Oh, okay. Do you remember the movie, I think it was released in 2000, called Boiler Room? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, Vin Diesel at his best. (laughs) No, I actually really liked that movie. But yeah, Ben Affleck has this great monologue where he's selling to the new guys. Coffees for closers. (laughs) Yeah, wrong movie. But yes, same principles. Absolutely the same principles. That was Glenn Gary, Glenn Mm. Ross. Sven, do you know what it takes to sell real estate? What's that? It takes brass Brass balls balls to sell real estate. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching it on DVD. And in the Tupac episode, I kind of talked about what I was up to in my life. The poor career choices Mm -hmm. (laughs) I made in 2003, 2004. So... Anything that was about hustling and making crazy amounts of money in not so legitimate ways were things that I was very interested in. So Boiler Room was like research for a new business opportunity for me. And on that soundtrack, it's towards the beginning, is Things Done Change. Oh. B.I.G.'s Ready to Die. It's the first song besides the intro. And that line that I dropped earlier, if I wasn't in the rap game, I'd probably have a key knee deep in the crack game. Yeah. That line was like, as they're walking into the main character's house, who was running in the movie, who's running like this poker. The underground casino. The underground casino in in his basement or whatever. That stuck with me and then started just like loving the album. Oh, it's so good. And then had to start getting all the other ones. So I was like 10 years late to the party. The first side of Ready to Die is fucking insane dude it's insane Which, why couldn't puffy just shut the fuck like, up let that go yeah away? let let that be all the other records too because he's well the other record idiot. i guess he's an idiot <laughs> so that leads us to sven do you have a top five big songs i feel like you do i definitely do let's go backwards here backwards at number five for me is machine gun funk so Ooh. from from that same album we were just talking about. Then next is Hypnotize. Okay. I think for that, I just like the beat more than anything else. Hypnotize is an amazing song. It is an amazing song. In spite and of the hook is Daddy. really catch. I don't know why. Like the biggie, 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 can't you see? Have you heard? Okay, this is like uh, another tangent, but Head P.E. did a song. I can't remember what their song is, but it like. Holy shit. They the use memories the you're the bringing hook. back. Yes. What is that song? I remember the verse words but i can't say them because head pe was a nasty fucking group like you can't say any of the lyrics that they had someone remind me somewhere find me on instagram dm me what the hell was the name of that crazy legs changed crazy legs that's right Mm -hmm. crazy legs and that's how it starts out crazy i could i you you want to hear something pathetic about me i could rap you like the whole first verse of that song right now (laughs) i loved head pe i after you did it i could probably do it but i can't say it need to warm up because everything that had rapped was incredibly bad i love that and there's an awesome compilation album 
that's called hip hop goes punk or rap goes punk where scary kids saying scary things or scary i can't really name that freaking band they covered that and then juicy because how can you not like juicy that yeah. probably one of the first songs anyone heard yeah. from yeah. that that he wasn't on like somebody else's album you remember that show that that puff daddy whatever we're calling him diddy i think by then he was called just going by diddy oh he had that reality group show that he tried to start with the rap it was like a reality show but with it was a Dylan. rapper commentation i just remember dylon the shittiest like reggae wannabe rapper that ever <laughs> existed he Holy made the- sh- he made them all recite juicy yeah and they had to, it took them like seven hours to figure it out oh they my god do, you're yeah. blowing my mind with these flashbacks right now. and he was like freaking out like he he was totally like mad at him like yeah, yeah. yeah. He's so pissed off that none of them got it and it's like, like all the people on your show hilarious. weren't even born and of course they don't know juicy they're all you trying to even learn funnier <laughs> did you see the the Chappelle sketch where he makes fun of that oh no oh you gotta watch it tonight <laughs> all that's left now my number Number one of my top five Biggie songs. Number one is Things Done Changed. Oh, okay. That All right. was the first song that, that was hooked your me. Real intro to B.I.G. Yeah. My top five, I have a couple honorable mentions. I'm not counting it, but I love the song Old Thing Back. Hmm. It's a posthumous, so he had already passed away. But if you ever get the chance, go listen to Old Thing Back. It's super fun. It's a great beat. And he starts the song out. It's just really, really fun, Notorious B.I.G. The other one that I want to say as an honorable mention is uh, Suicidal Thoughts, which was actually redone on another posthumous album, but it's very, it's very self-deprecating. It's very, yes, I am aware of how fucked up I am, which he was. He was very aware of it. But my real five to one is, uh, number five is Juicy, Juicy. which we just talked about. You can't have a top five biggie without having Juicy in there. My number four is Warning. Warning is the number five track on Ready Ready to to Die. Die. Yeah. Which I'm just going to say it now. A lot of my favorites are just from the beginning of Ready to Die because the album's insane. My number three, which we haven't talked about yet, is Back to Cali. Oh. That is one of the most infamous choruses of B.I.G. Back, back. And it's just nice to hear him doing the chorus instead of fucking P. Diddy. (laughs) (laughs) my number two is everyday struggle also on ready to die and then my number one guess what album it's from ready to die it better be yes and it's (laughs) machine gun funk your number five it's the most perfect fucking beat he's amazing on it yeah really just ready to die is is a perfect fucking hip-hop album it really is is. it's a it's an amazing rap album you can't go wrong with it tupac is way 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 more one of my favorite rappers than B.I.G., but Ready to Die, with the exception of maybe Until the End of Time by Tupac, I think Ready to Die is much better than any of the albums Tupac came Woo! out with. You heard it here first. <laughs> Sven, this is a this is an interesting question with everything we've talked about with uh-huh. him. Is Notorious B.I.G. on your Mount Rushmore of rappers? I think I'm going to say the same thing I said in the Tupac. I don't have a Mount Rushmore rappers. Well, nobody does. It's a rhetorical question, Sven. <laughs> I don't think you're going to go in your backyard and build a Mount Rushmore. Start carving. <laughs> Is he, I guess so. If, if by Mount Rushmore of rappers, you mean like I consider him one of the groundbreaking forefathers 
of modern rap, then yeah, I think yes. The way to better the question is how would you rank Biggie in your mind in rap in general? Mm. So whether that's putting him on your Mount Rushmore or putting him in top five most influential rappers yeah. or put, you know, whatever list you want to put him in, how would you categorize Notorious B.I.G.? I think that like he's so unique yet so not copyable. <sighs> Inspirational is not the word either. I feel like without his flow, a lot of rappers would sound a lot different now. A lot of my favorite rappers would sound different now. He just sounded like he was just talking. Like he didn't have to think. He didn't have yes. to he didn't have to struggle to find something to rhyme with something else. He had a very complex rhyme scheme and he I think kicked off. He helped that become the popular way to rap. He is not on my Mount Rushmore. And I am fully admitting that it makes no sense because I would probably start my Mount Rushmore with Tupac. Mm -hmm. I, I get it. I think it's insane myself because I think as far as authentic rap, you don't really get any better than Biggie. Are you projecting your P. Diddy hate onto Biggie? So here's the thing. I don't think it's possible not to because of the music that Biggie came out with. Yeah. Because it's all so it's in all bad boy and P. it's Diddy. all P. Yep. Exactly. I think if B.I.G. would have had like Dre, this would be a completely different story. I also don't think that Dre's beats would have really worked with B.I.G. No. So it's kind of a who knows. B.I.G. is not my Mount Rushmore. I do completely respect and love him though. And that's where I leave it. Nice. Is it just because I'm a West Coast guy? I will always be a Tupac guy. I don't know. Favorite rapper? I think he is. Is he? I, I think. think you were. Look, I love me some DMX. He would be the only person that might be able to might, but I do might. think it's Tupac. Which leads us to the very last thing we have to talk about. Sven, who is your favorite rapper? Like for real, real? Like for honest real, answer? Real. Yeah. I'm not going to say Curtis Plum, like, but for real? Yeah. It's also not Notorious B.I.G. I didn't think it was. There's a gentleman named Harry Mack. Okay. All I right. may have mentioned him on the podcast before. We'd, I think you have. Yeah. We've never featured him. He's never been the subject of any anything we've done. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to experience Harry Mack, if you can't experience it in person, go on YouTube and search for Harry Mack. What's the thing called that he used to... Omegle is this random... It's like chat roulette. Chat type roulette. Of thing. That's what I was thinking of. So yeah. Omegle's the app or whatever that does the same thing. It pairs you with somebody random online. He started doing this during COVID. But before this, he would actually just walk around the beach with a boombox and just like, hey, can I freestyle rap for you? Like find a group of people and be like, I want to freestyle rap for you. He started doing it online during COVID because you couldn't just walk up to people on the beach. What he does is he finds someone or a group of people and asks them for at least three words. Sometimes he gets five words. It doesn't matter. He is so fast and so everything that I love about good flow and being musical, being rhythmic, he raps the way he drums. So the rhythms are insane and the schemes are insane. He's not like a mainstream artist. He doesn't have a bunch of no. studio albums. He's never won any awards. He looks, he's a fucking pretty boy white dude. He's a just, he yeah. He looks like, <laughs> I mean, he's he's 40-ish. Maybe he's late 30s, early 40s. He's been on radio interviews with, with people like Kendrick Lamar and like yeah. Soldier Boy and people that have been blown away by Harry Mack. 
that's my favorite rapper and i listen to him almost daily that's one of the things i do wow. right before i go Holy to bed shit. i go find his latest omegle bars we are done with big and tupac i think we did a pretty damn good job Sven. hells yeah i can't believe it's over i know but we have to figure out what else we're doing this year we're gonna have to think on that at least we have about another 13 episodes until then versecoursefirst.com at versecoursefirstpod go to the youtube hot on the youtube right now i what, love what, what? i love sven's funhouse i really do it's a Thank fucking you. blast to see what he's going to do i really do love it and then of course you have my videos which have me so they're amazing amazing join us next week it's just me by myself talking about two of the most influential artists of all time don't miss that sven exactly uh everybody we love you we'll see you next week good night and good luck Mwah. Oh.